Hello, and welcome to the Gangster Museum of America, After Dark. The interviews you are about to witness are candid conversations with retired agents of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, family members of some of the most notorious criminals in American history, and prominent citizens who lived through the largest illegal gambling and prostitution enterprise in the entire United States. Hot Springs, Arkansas. And now, the founder and director of the Gangster Museum of America, author and screenwriter, Robert Raines. Thank you, Steve. Tonight's topic is going to be the Capone family. The Capone family was a huge family, by the way. Our guest tonight is one of the grandchildren. But to go back to where it all began, Gabriel and Teresa Capone the uh, matriarch and patriarch of all Capones, moved over here from Italy and settled in Brooklyn. Their oldest son, Vincenzo, who actually ran away with the circus all the way to Nebraska and ended up, of all things, becoming a prohibition agent right in the middle of his younger brother, Al, making a fortune off of prohibition. After Vincenzo came Raphael James Capone, the grandfather of our guest. We know him as Ralph. Bottles Capone, because of his relationship with bottling plants in the South and even in Hot Springs, to uh, secure vessels to carry the whiskey in. After that, we had Frank Capone, who uh, didn't make it to a lot of headlines because he didn't last very long as an adult. The cops uh, killed him pretty early on. Then came Umberto, who also didn't make it very long. He was trying to convince someone to vote for his candidate, and the police shot him. I will disclose that he did have a machine gun in his hand when they shot him. Then we had Matthew Capone, John Capone, and we ended up at the end of the line with a sister, Mafalda, which all of the grandchildren refer to as Aunt Maffy. Now, with no further ado, let me introduce my first guest on the inaugural podcast of the Gangster Museum of America After Dark, the lovely and talented Deirdre Marie Capone. Thanks for being here, no joke. I'm very happy to be here. Now, to get this thing started and give people a perspective of how the nucleus of the family worked, when did you first realize, maybe not who Al Capone was, the Al Capone that we know, but the Al Capone as, as a person? The first knowledge that I had of my Uncle Al was I was over at the Prairie Avenue house, and I was probably four years old. And I helped my grandmother, his mother, Teresa, pick dandelions. In the spring, I would always go over, help her pick dandelions to make dandelion soup and dandelion salad. So I was over there helping her, and as they soak in the bathtub, I went out in the backyard. Al was sitting on a bench out in the backyard in the sun. His mother sat down beside him, and they started talking about the day and what they were going to have for dinner. And, of course, they always spoke Italian to one another. They had an apple tree in the backyard. So I asked if I could go and climb the apple tree. They said, yes, go ahead, just be careful. So I was climbing the apple tree, and I got up to the first branch, of course. And I lost my balance, and I fell back in the yard on my back and had all the wind knocked out of me and scared the living daylights out of me. 
But Al ran over, picked me up, put me across his shoulder, patted my back until I started breathing again. So that's the first recollection I had of him. So how old were you when all of that happened? He got out of prison in 1939, just before I was born, January 25th, 1940. I was four years old. Was this at Palm Island, Florida? No, this was in Chicago, 7244 South Prairie. Mama Teresa lived there, and my Aunt Maffey lived there in 1944. At that time, the lower level of the house had my Aunt Maffey, her husband, my Uncle Johnny, and their daughter, Dolores. And on the upper floor, my grandmother lived, but the front bedroom was always reserved for Al and me. So I assume everything revolved around the Prairie Avenue house. Everybody would go over and gather at the Capone house. The Sundays would start after church. So the minute you were finished with church and the last time in those days was the 11 o'clock mass or 1030 mass. And literally everybody had to be there. And when Al and May were in town, it was a big celebration because they were not there all the time. They were there in the summer a lot and they would come for Christmas a lot. But during the winter, no, the rest of the family all lived in Chicago. So every Sunday, the boys would come home to Mama with their wives. And if the children were old enough, they came also. I don't suppose any conversation about hot springs came up during those family gatherings, did it? Yes, they loved hot springs because when they came here, they could play. They could have fun. They could eat, drink, and be merry, you know, and go in the tubs and heal all the, the stress and the wounds and the bruises. So this was a vacation. It was a safe vacation. It was a place that they didn't have to be afraid. They didn't have to be afraid that a touring car was going to go by with machine guns, you know, out the windows. Back in Chicago, it was all turf wars. My uncle, who was quoted as saying, you know, I don't understand this. There's enough business for all of us. We don't have to duke it out. But some people want more. This would be the place that they would come and they would meet because there was no enemies that were here. They could all take off their guns, so to speak, and sit around and smoke cigars and drink, you know, get in the bathhouse. And in the bathhouse, nobody had any clothes on, so they couldn't hide guns. They could just sit and talk about these opportunities to make other money, other businesses to get into. They were all looking at ways to grow and get out of the bootlegging business, turn it over to somebody else to run that, and then get on to something that would appear to be more businesslike and dignified. Yeah, that's exactly what they were trying to do, and my grandfather told me that. They did talk about hot springs. Al died on my seventh birthday, but I had my grandfather until I was 34 years old. And I had his sister, my Aunt Maffie, until I was 48. Well, my grandfather told me about him being in the Cotton Club. He had opened a Cotton Club in Chicago. He patterned the Cotton Club and the goal of the Cotton Club after Oni Madden's Cotton Club in Harlem. When Oni left New York and came to Hot Springs, my grandfather would come down here, bring horses to race at Oak Lawn. And so he had some very fond memories of being here. And he would tell me that May would come with Sonny and they were on vacation. They were out of being 
you know, always looking behind them and having somebody guard their back. So they had very fond memories of being here. Now, I know your grandfather and Madden were really interested in thoroughbreds. Wasn't there something about him wanting to build a ranch somewhere down here or somewhere in Arkansas? They were going to buy a ranch, and it would just be in northern Arkansas into Oklahoma. And it was called the 99 Ranch because it was 99 acres. They were getting ready to buy it when Al was convicted of income tax evasion. So that put all of their plans to get out of the outfit business. But they wanted to raise horses on that that ranch. Well, let me digress just a little bit. We talked earlier about your memory of Al being an uncle. When did you realize that there was more to Al Capone than being an uncle and learn a lot more about the outfit, so to speak? I understood about the outfit when I was very young. Al died on my seventh birthday. After my dad committed suicide, and he committed suicide just before my 11th birthday, my grandfather felt, I think, personally responsible in some ways for my dad taking his own life. And then he also felt that he had to be a father to me because I didn't have a father. He was very reserved, very quiet man. But in his own way, he would tell me things and train me and teach me things. I'm a Catholic girl, and the Catholics have the tradition of children, when they're seven years old, making their first communion. So I turned seven, and my family needed something joyous to look forward to. They decided to make a big deal out of my first communion. They outfitted me. My Aunt Maffy bought me my dress and my shoes and my purse. So on the day that I made my first communion, the entire Capone family, the ones that were still living, came to the church to watch me. And then we all went over to the Prairie Avenue house after that for a big celebration. This was in 1947. And the big papers in Chicago, the Tribune, the Herald American, had a local edition that would come out on Monday, and it would cover all the things that went on the previous week, you know, the Mother's Club, book clubs, whatever. So in this edition, it said that the second grade class at St. Philip Neri School made their first communion, and Deirdre Capone, with her entire family in attendance, made hers. In order to protect me growing up, They entered me in school using my father's middle name as my last name. So everybody in school knew me as Deirdre Gabriel. So when this came out, all of my classmates' parents were just educated probably for the first time in their lives as to all the alleged things that Al Capone had done when he died in January. Then they said, Deirdre Capone, I wasn't using that name. But how many Deirdres do you think went to school at St. Philip near High School? And how many Deirdres did you even think was in Chicago in 1947? I think just one. So they all knew it was me. So two weeks later, every child in my second grade class was invited to this girl's birthday party except me. And that's when it started. I went to that same campus school all the way through high school. 
And those children that I went to school with in second grade never, ever had anything to do with me. So I started asking questions. And the answers were given to me somewhat. They got very serious with me after my father committed suicide. And I started taking good notes. But they made me promise that I would not write my book until all the original family members had died. And I kept my promise. And it's a great book, by the way. Steve is going to come on here in a little bit and tell everybody how they can get the book. On our next episode, we're going to find out why Al Capone left New York and went to Chicago. We're going to find out what brought him to Hot Springs in the first place. And we're going to learn about the biggest and most successful caper that was ever pulled off in the Capone family by Mafalda, Ralph, and Deirdre Capone. So here's a little clip from that show, and we'll see you next time. And I remember I was there. My Aunt Maffie came in the front door, you know, with my grandfather, and she had this big grin on her face. She was all dressed in black, as was my grandfather. And I was there, and she just said, we pulled it off. To order your copy of Deidre Capone's book, Uncle Al Capone, please call the Gangster Museum of America at 501-318-1717 or email us at director at tgmoa.com. I'm Steve Taylor. Join us again next Monday for another episode of the Gangster Museum of America After Dark.